chats from the blog cabin. This is your favorite time of the week with your number one one podcast. Hey, y'all, it's Melissa. I am back with you and we are talking about the book, Coach Yourself, Become the Best Version of Yourself Using Practical Frameworks. And I'm chatting with Antonia and we are talking about some of the really great values, about values. We're talking about gratitude. We're talking about being toxic positivity. We are just talking about all the stuff that goes in. And I know the holidays are here and we have a lot to deal with with family members. So I thought this was a really great episode to chat about and to share with you guys for the holidays. Hope you enjoy it. Come join Melissa and her guests on the Chats from the Blog Cabin podcast. From North Carolina, this podcast will have you feeling like you've known these specs for years. Listen in as they chat about life, culture, current events, and more, all with a special Southern flair. Curl up with your favorite beverage and get ready to be entertained. Tune in now for a unique experience that's fun and insightful. Hey y'all, welcome back to another episode of Chats from the Blog Cabin. You know, the show where I virtually invite people into the blog cabin to chat about life. And today we're chatting, I already got tongue-tied, with Antonia, who is the author of Coach Yourself, Become the Best Version of Yourself Using Practical Frameworks. But your story is a little bit unique, and the way that you also talk about coaching is at the age of 50, you were diagnosed with ADHD, which is like, wow, I cannot believe it went that long, because most people, like, they pick it up in childhood. So um, tell us a little about your story before we talk about your book and everything else. Yeah. You want me to talk specifically about the ADHD piece or more generally? More generally, and then we'll get more into that. Okay, sure. So I grew up in Canada, on the West Coast of Canada. Uh, No, I'm not going to go back that far. And (laughs) essentially, I think of my career, or, or I don't even know, that's such a big word, right? I think of my journey through the working world in three buckets. Uh, the first bucket is I did microfinance in around the world. So helping low income women get access to financial resources and loans and things like that. And then I think of my second bucket as being becoming a management consultant and then holding leadership positions in a, a, a variety of nonprofits. And then the third Bucket, where I am today is I've been an executive coach for over a decade. Uh, This is really what I was born to do. And it took me a while to get here. But um, I literally wake up every morning and just feel lucky and blessed I get to do this work. So what was that aha moment that you decided that you knew that you were meant to be an executive coach? Well, I had heard about it in the late 90s, early zeros. I don't know what are we early, early this century. But, you know, I have a very low risk tolerance. And I had a good job in in leadership at a big environmental nonprofit. And I just didn't have the kind of risk tolerance that I would leave that and just start my own thing. But fast forward to 2013, and I had, I was running an organization, but their office on the East Coast, and that organization went bankrupt. And we sort of, we'd been very successful, but we didn't control the money. And Mm -hmm. so at that moment, I literally someone said to me, what are you going to do? It was a coach I'd actually hired or or pro bono coach to help some of our clients, women starting businesses. And she said, what are you going to do? And I said, you know, I don't know, but whatever I do, I want to be accountable for my successes and my failures. I don't want it to be someone else's budget problems that deny my success. And she said, you know, you'd be a natural for my coaching course. Um, I'm doing a summer long intensive. Why not? And I thought, why not? When you have zero, you can only go up. (laughs) 
So when you're taking this course, did you think, why haven't I done this all along? Why haven't I been doing this all along? Or was it like yeah. gradually you got to the point where you're at? That, you know, no one's ever asked me that question. And at this point, I've been asked a lot of questions. Um, that is a really great question. And I think at the time, uh, this is actually an important thing for me to realize. I was so focused on learning, like, oh, how do I learn to do this? That I never really thought about looking back and could I have done this? I was so like in the moment around, I need to learn how to do this. But it's it's a very interesting question because I think in life, we also need to know when are we a learner and when are we a teacher? And of course we can be both, but sometimes we tend to downplay one or the other. And I definitely always think, oh, I have to learn more. I can't do that till I learn more. I, I won't be able to do that till I learn more. And sometimes I think that is underselling my, my skills and experience. And I find clients tend to lean one way or the other there. And I'm always on the lookout for that. So thank you for that question. You're welcome. And I think you hit it on the nail on the head. Most of us tend to undersell our skills and our experience. We don't think we're most of the time we think we're not good enough. Why would anybody want us? And, and you hit it right there is this. That's the major problem, I think, with a lot of our self-confidence and stuff today is that we undersell ourselves. Yeah. And if you don't mind me saying I well, I'm sure you won't. I think that is more true of women than men. And and I think mm -hmm. it is true of men too. But I think, you know, there's this statistic. I, I feel like it's almost an urban myth at this point. But the date, the, the research source was very valid. But I don't remember what it is. That when a, a man will apply for a, a job knowing 60% of the of feeling they have 60% of the qualifications. And you know what it is for a woman? 90. Wow. Yeah. So we really, I mean, that says it all, right? Just right there. We think we have to know it to do it. And men are like, ah, I know some of it. I'll learn to do the rest. Yeah, that's so true. Now let's talk about the ADHD because where does that play in? Because you said the age of 50, yeah. you were diagnosed. I mean, mm -hmm. obviously that has to play in because you probably had problems like maybe in school or, or, or not really being like, like there's always that joke where you, the dog is walking in the yard and it's like squirrel and it goes take it off. You know, how did you get your brain to focus and work yeah. around that diagnosis? Yeah. Yeah. So first of all, I don't think anybody was diagnosed with ADHD when I was a child. <clears throat> I don't, I just don't even think it was like something, right? It, people just say, Oh, sh sh she can't sit still. Like that was it. Right. Yeah. Um, I'm sure my mother has ADHD. Uh, and you know, you can imagine that no one even talked about mental health back then. But um, so I never thought about it. Nothing ever crossed my mind until my uh, oldest son was starting high school and got diagnosed with ADHD. And I was just like, hmm, that boy, that sounds a lot like me, you know, when we got the test results. And and then that led me, it took me a couple more years to actually get the diagnosis. But, you know, I like to describe it this way. Like I did very well academically. I created, in my words, a lot of scaffolding, right? Mm -hmm. And I would say probably I put in three times more effort than other kids that got mm -hmm. good marks like I did. I put in so much work because I, I just couldn't figure out how to do enough. I, I couldn't figure out how to prioritize. I couldn't figure out. I, I, I had no ability to be strategic. Mm -hmm. I had to do it all in order to cover every base. And um, 
so I like to talk about it as when you get a diagnosis of ADHD, there is what I would call the profound piece of that and the practical. And the practical being, how do you, you know, initiate mm -hmm. tasks, reduce impulsiveness, um, maintain focus, retain learning, you know, blah, 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 right? Um, but the other piece that I think you're getting to is the profound piece, which is, wow, I have a lifetime of telling myself a self-narrative, right? And, huh, I just got a huge piece of information that actually has a big impact on my self-narrative. Mm -hmm. Let me unravel that. Oh, wait a second. It's not that I'm like a bad person because I can't focus or it's not like I'm an inconsiderate friend because I at a party, I'm looking all over the room and it makes me look mm -hmm. like I'm superficial and don't want to just pay attention to the people in front of me. Oh, actually, huh, my brain is wired different. Now, I need to decide what to do with that information. And how do I want to act on it? But it was unbelievably liberating and confidence building to literally wash away shame. Wow. You know, your story reminds me of the story. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I just went and saw Henry Winkler, you know, the Fonz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Um, he wrote a book and he wasn't diagnosed with dyslexia until like he was like in his 40s or 50s as well and it like totally reframed everything in his mind of what happened and because his relationship with his parents they would call him like dumb dog and stuff like that and oh. he totally just reframed it so I'm yeah. looking at I'm listening to your story and I'm like wow what an uplifting story because you could have easily blamed yeah. everything yeah. in your life that happened oh that was just my ADHD you know we're we're going to move on from here. But no, you're like, oh, I'm going to unravel stuff and realize, oh, this is why I did this. This is why I did that. And kind of learn from it instead of yeah. just kind of slamming yeah. the door on it. I love yeah. that. You know, it, um, you're, you're, Melissa, you're making me remember. I, you know, I, certain things just get burned in your memory, right? And I remember being in fourth grade, the end of fourth grade, and I had a very beloved teacher I went to St. Patrick's a Catholic school and my sis my teacher was Sister Marjorie Fletcher and Sister Marjorie Fletcher I adored her you know I just adored her and of course like I could not sit still I I was always you know um, very careless in my work because I just wanted to get it done and you can imagine and it was the last day of class and we all gathered around her desk for some reason. Maybe we were giving her little gifts. I, I don't remember. And somebody had given her flowers. And I was so excited that I knocked the flowers over and all the water. And it went all across her in those days by pen, her like registration book, her mm -hmm. attendance or, or mm -hmm. her. Yeah. And she just looked at me with this look of, you know, not you again, like really. And like, oh, that I went by Tanya that, oh, Tanya, really again. And I remember like the feeling of how bad I was, you know, like just how bad I was that I just couldn't control myself, even for someone who I adored. Mm -hmm. And I like that just like stuck to me like glue. You add up a variety of those mm -hmm. and you've got some definite self narratives going on there that aren't helping you. That is so true. So when we get back, we have to take a brief break. But when we get back, I want to talk about your book. Yeah. So we'll be Love right back. You. Imagine having a tool that unlocks all the secrets to your body. All those times that your body has tried to communicate with you and maybe you've listened, ignored, or maybe you didn't even know that your body was talking to you. 
This tool will change your life. And all you have to do is click on the link www.betheglow.com backslash Melissa and you can download this guide for free. It's my body is my compass guide and it will teach you this one tool to be able to use your body as a guide, as a compass, to always know what your body needs in any given moment. Are you ready for an exciting adventure in the world of do-it-yourself projects? Join me on Market.Live and get ready to be inspired by the DIY show hosted by yours truly, Melissa from Chasma Lock Cabin. This is your chance to unlock your creativity and bring your imagination to life. Imagine the satisfaction of transforming ordinary objects into something extraordinary. Get ready to learn new skills and discover how easy it can be to create something unique that reflects your own personal style. The DIY show is here to guide you with every step of the way, riding you with tips, tricks, and ideas that will make your project a success. Don't miss out on this incredible opportunity. Grab your friends, family, or even your furry companions and tune into the DIY show on Market.Live on Mondays at noon Eastern Standard Time, or you can catch the replay. Together, let's unleash our inner artist and embark on a journey filled with joy, inspiration, and endless possibilities. Get ready for a show like no other where creativity knows no bounds. See you there. And we are back chatting with Antonio about Antonia, excuse me, about uh, your Coach Yourself, your book. And why did you want to write this book? Yeah. Well, the short answer is I wasn't planning to write a book. I, I wrote a fair amount online articles and then a publisher, Wiley, contacted me and said, oh, we think we like you to give us a book proposal. And so I did. And. I chose this and funny enough, I think this is really relevant for everyone listening or watching. We all have a book in us, right? We all do. Now it's a different question if anyone wants to read it, but we have one, we all have a book to write. And, and this was mine in a way, because what I did is I said, okay, I've been a coach for 10 years. I probably use 10 frameworks, 12 frameworks over and over and over again when I coach people. Well, executive coaching is pretty expensive, pretty mm -hmm. elitist in a way. How do we democratize it? How do we create, oh, a DIY? I was just looking at your mm -hmm. crafts, uh, the, the advertisement, DIY coaching manual. This is it because... These are the frameworks I use over and over. And I wrote them up in a way and served them up in a way that an individual who cares about their own personal and professional development can really easily access them and put them to use. Mm -hmm. So that's where the book comes from. And, and I say we all have a book in us because my next book will be about ADHD and it will involve a lot more research this was literally, you know, like we all have a life story or a lived, you know, journey. It wasn't okay. It took discipline to put it down, but it, it was pretty straightforward. That's yeah. It. So what did you think when you got that, when somebody con when the, your publisher Wiley contacted you and said, we want you to write a book. What did you think? Where I know there was a lot, probably a lot of, inner conflict in your brain like oh you're not going to do it why would anybody want to read this or what, what you know probably something like that because you already said you struggle with that a little bit yeah so yeah. what did you finally how did it feel when somebody contacted you and said write a book yeah yeah so i i was honored right like i was shocked and honored and then I did something that is not very usual for me <laughs> I actually did a fair amount of research and I looked at going you know and writing this book with Wiley as a publisher I looked at self-publishing it I looked at not writing a book but doing something else and that is I normally I make my decisions based on pure intuition but mm -hmm. it felt really good 
to sort of look at the options and say, okay, maybe if I was 30, I wouldn't write this book because the way people consume information is very different. But I am still someone that a book means something to me mm-hmm. it, it, as an accomplishment versus like having a million TikTok followers, which of course I would love, by the way. But um, <laughs> but it meant something to me. It, it felt really tangible. And I'm very, very proud of doing it. Oh, thank you. <laughs> oh, you're good. Thank you. Yeah. And just put her TikTok up there. So you want to plug your TikTok real quick? Uh, well, you know, it's funny. I, this is, so something that has come out of the ADHD is, and writing the book is an example of it, is feeling more tapped into my creativity mm-hmm. and like actually being able to say, oh, I actually am a creative person. And TikTok is a real creative expression for me. It's only about ADHD. And I was posting every day, two or three times a day until recently when I got sick. And then also the algorithm completely broke. And I had like four viewers for five Mm -hmm. days. And I realized how... um, invested I was (laughs) so now I'm I'm like in a little bit of uh um I'm only gonna post once or twice a day and I'm I'm not gonna I'm gonna take it easy but I it does really feel like a a real creative expression of all these tidbits about ADHD I want to share and um I love it when I get a comment like wow you know I I've really got so much from this or I'm really going to remember this or you're speaking to me. Um, It's nice affirmation. Yeah. It's, it's great when, I mean, it's one thing when you get the views, but it's another thing when people actually sit there and take the time to comment on something, that's what really makes you feel good because you're like, Oh, they saw it. But the fact they commented and took that extra step instead of parting it or just scrolling past it. Yeah. They commented. Yeah. I have to tell you one quick funny thing. One, uh, I've tried to improve. I, 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 I think of myself as actually quite a fast talker, but I don't think I am in real life. And on TikTok, somebody sent me a comment, ma'am. <laughs> they called me ma'am. I was like, really, ma'am? And it was like, dear ma'am, I, I, I don't think enough people are listening to your content could you speed it up? <laughs> so there you were. You were self-conscious about talking fast. So you slowed it down. you like in your brain. You're like, I have to talk slower so people can understand me. When in fact, people were like saying, speed it up. I know. I know. It. Yeah. 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 Anyways, it's fun. It's um, I, I enjoy it. I really do. Now, there's one you just mentioned earlier about these frameworks, but there's one framework from the book that really stuck with me, and it's the COIN framework. Framework. Yeah. You want to talk yeah. about that? Yeah, sure. It's funny. It That's what sticks with everyone. Can I ask why that stuck with you, do you think? I don't know. It's, I don't know if it was the wording. I just because yeah. I, be. I was listening to it as I was doing other things, you know, because yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've got the ADHD, too. I'm, I will say it. And, you know, I, honestly, I think I have a touch of it. But as I'm doing other things and that, I guess it was maybe the word and it made me stop and listen because it's something that you see something in everyday life. Like you, like when you go to pay for something, well, nowadays you don't a lot of times don't pay with coins, but we were growing up, we paid with coins. That's right. That's right. In In 20 years, no one will even know what that means. Um, So yeah, that is a really terrific communication framework. And it's almost more like a checklist. And I literally think I introduce it into every single executive coaching engagement I have. Because what it's really about is how do you have a critical conversation? And one of the hardest things in a critical conversation is they can get emotional and we can get off track real fast. And so there's sort of two parts to it. The first part is 
what's your sort of natural tendency when you are, are going to have to have a critical conversation or a tough conversation? Do you like bulldoze in and, and like, I have, I know what I want to get out of this and boom, boom, boom. Or are you like, well, I don't know. I might not bring that up. I don't want to hurt their feelings. So yeah, you're the second. Yeah. <laughs> so we all have a natural, I like to call it a natural groove, right? A natural tendency. It's not good or bad. It just mm-hmm. is. And the more we know what it is, the better first. And then just recognizing, okay, in this conversation, yeah, it's great that I'm empathetic to Joe who, you know, has missed all these deadlines. And, you know, I know he's got a lot going on at home. And, but I need to be clear about the expectations and about what we're trying to do as a team mm-hmm. and what the implications are if we don't get those proposals out, let's say. So it's a good conversation, a critical you integrate both that the kind of the soft the heart and then the 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 tougher backbone Mm -hmm. right and it's different conversations and different people you need a different uh proportionality but you sort of need both right Mm -hmm. not sort of you do need both Mm -hmm. so that's just before the conversation and then during it coin is literally a way if things get off track Here's a framework or a checklist to get back on track. C is for common purpose. Have I identified with you, Melissa, something that binds our interests? Because Mm -hmm. when I start the conversation that way, I automatically create a, a positive energy between the two of us, right? For a more productive, positive conversation. Second is observation. So I'm not going to make hypotheses about you or talk about what I think you're doing or your motivations. I'm just going to say, hey, you know, Melissa, we both really care about this team being successful because we all want those bonuses at the Mm -hmm. end of the year. Right. Okay, common purpose. Um, Melissa, you know. Three of the four customer proposal deadlines have been missed. You know that, right? That's an observation. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying why you did it. I'm not. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to predict or or hypothesize about why. I'm just stating the facts. And then we start what I like to call like the dance of inquiry. That's where I ask open-ended questions. That's where I listen to your responses. Now, I know the end of this conversation, so after the I, the inquiry, is next steps, that we need to land somewhere concrete. That may be Melissa. So based on our conversation, it sounds like there's three things you're going to try to do differently Mm -hmm. in order to make your deadlines. Or in a more complex conversation, it might be, okay, Melissa, we didn't finish this. And I see we're still, there's some things you're still processing about what I said. Let's meet again on Monday at noon and continue this conversation. That's the next step. It's concrete. I can measure it. I can see it. But the bulk of it is in the eye, is in this back and forth inquiry where you're listening well, where you're asking questions, but you're not letting go of your backbone either, right? Mm -hmm. So what happens if the person is not listening that you're having trying to do the coin framework with and they're not listening to you and and you're saying something and the very next thing out of their mouth is like, well, you're going to have to do it. And you had already said you're not comfortable doing it. And they're going... And it's not even work. It may be something personal that you're not comfortable doing it, but they're not listening to you. What's the right. next step? After so what that? do you do? Yeah, great. Right. And that's very realistic, right? So I think a tool that is always very helpful in, in, a, in a conversation like that is, so what I'm hearing you say, uh, so repeating back. So uh, what I'm hearing you say is this, or at different points saying, 
Okay, let's just summarize where we're at in the conversation and make sure we're both on the same page so that there's a kind of tracking of, of where the conversation's going because, you know, we want to make sure we're both hearing the same thing, right? Uh, or that what I'm hearing is what you're saying, right? Yeah. And so in a conversation like that, it may be so what what I'm hearing is that you and I are now, obviously it depends on the situation, depends on the power dynamics, depends, but just to riff on this. So Melissa, what, what I'm hearing is that we have very different um, perceptions of what happened. Mm -hmm. So I would like to suggest as a next step that you go back and get more data on you know, X, Y, Z, and I will have a couple of conversations to get more data and let's meet on Monday at noon to reconcile this. Now, that's one way. Another way depends again, right? Like it could be, you know, Melissa, we talked this through and what we both understand is we can't be missing deadlines and that's your responsibility now we're not completely in agreement about the whys and the hows but here are the two takeaways i heard and my expectation now is that there will be no more missed deadlines and if you anticipate there will be you have agreed to give me warning let's take that as the next step that's such a gr great, great thing. The open-ended questions, the coin framework. I love how we can also put that from business to personal as well. And kind of, and I think a lot of our conflicts would be avoided if we all did that. But it seems like every time, like I said, I'm number two. I'm the one that doesn't want to hurt people's feelings. I'm the one that I avoid it as much as possible. Because I know a lot of the people that I have conflict with, they get their backs edged up just as soon as I mention I have a problem with them. It's like, ooh, you know, or yeah. I have a problem at all. Their backs go up and they're in defensive mode and they're not and they shut off and they don't want to hear anything that you, yeah. you yeah. have to say. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I I just had a conversation with a client this morning where this client has gotten feedback that they are not open to feedback that they get very defensive and this client was saying well i'm gonna ask my manager for feedback about this certain situation in our next one-on-one -on -one. and i said you know another way to think about this is it's very hard when you just say so melissa give me feedback mm -hmm. you know but what if you led with listen I am feeling uncomfortable about this. I'm wondering, you know, how I may have contributed to this, but we missed this deadline. And I, I feel like maybe I should have asked for more updates on the progress, but I wanted to ask you, how do you think it went? And, and do you have any thoughts for me or thoughts about your own performance? that softens it a lot, right? Yes. Because you're bringing yourself in, you're saying, oh, I'm making myself vulnerable to your feedback to me. I'm already stating I might not have been perfect. So like all these things are happening and that person, their cortisol is just, mm -hmm. whereas if you go in and say, yeah. All right. Listen, these deadlines were missed and I'd like you to tell me why. I'm, yeah. I know you would never talk that way, but immediately, like I even, I can feel my body, what that does in my body. Right. Yep. That's so true. Um, another thing, there's a quote that you actually wrote and I actually highlighted it because it really stuck out for me. Um, it says, bear in mind that new responses focus on being an actor and do not guarantee new outcomes. The focus is on acting in line with your integrity and go growing towards your goals, meaning that even though you might change the other person, the outcomes may be the same, even though you've changed inside. Let's talk about that. 
Yeah, thanks. Boy, you did a careful read. Thanks. That is, um, that's really important, what, what you just said. So, so I'll give you an example. Uh, I said a client who works, is, 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 gravitates towards working in startups. It's just like where their passion is. And this person knows they could make a lot more money if they'd kept on their sales career. Um, the only way they would make that kind of money that they were making in sales in the startup world is if they, you know, hit the startup jackpot, right? Mm -hmm. And it grew and got acquired and all that. And so as as you probably know, like when you start working for startups, there's no guarantee what the outcome is, right? So what's important for my client is her her mind, her mindset. Mm -hmm. Her mindset, she needs to really feel her agency and her power. I'm here in this startup because I love to be here. I love this work. Mm -hmm. I love the energy. I love the learning. I'm okay with the discomfort. And we 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 probably won't hit the jackpot because statistically not that many do, but that's okay. I can't mm -hmm. control that. But I do control that I know the right positive reasons why I'm doing this work and what I get out of it. And that ladders up to my values and mm -hmm. who I want to be and how I want to be recognized and walk through this world. And you just hit it. Values. I don't know if you know the backstory of Chats in the Blog Cabin. I was actually in a um, challenge with a mindset coach who's been on several times. And she challenged us to go live and talk about our values. And of course, I was not one of these people that wanted to be in front of the camera. I like to be behind the camera. I never shot myself anytime, anywhere. You know, it's just this actually came out around COVID time. And um, I was like, okay, fine. But I'm going to go on live and talk about my values. And I'm pulling somebody up here because I'm not going to go on just to talk for me being talking because it would so distract me. And I'd be so self-conscious about it. So I had a friend come on and we talked about one of my core values, which is relationships. And it chats in the blog cabin and started from that point on. <laughs> That's such a beautiful story. So do you know what your like top values are? Relationships, faith, mm. um, seeing my own potential, because I think mm. I tend to like, yeah, I tend to not. I underestimate myself a lot and I put myself in a box that I was put in when I was little instead of breaking out. I broke out of the box and then I put myself back in the box and then I break out of the box and, I put, and something somebody can say can put me right back in that box or the hamster wheel, I should say. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's beautiful. Um, mine are not in any order. Um, gratitude. Mm -hmm. um, in service of. And so for me now, it's in service of helping others realize their potential. Um, I used to say positivity, but now I say possibility. I changed mm. that. So gratitude. Oh, learning mindset slash curiosity. Mm. I, I mush those two together. And I think my other, what my other, that's four, right? My other one is... Um, productivity but you know i'm just wait i'm just oh my book's over there i i might change productivity to creativity yeah because the tiktok <laughs> yeah i might because yeah i'm i'm mulling that one over so i do think values change but um like i can see i see what's up on your wall that is a beautiful artifact of your of a core value mm -hmm. you know I, I like to talk about how do we activate our values, both for the long term, but also daily. Let's talk about it then. How do we activate them? Well, 
are we reviewing our values frequently enough? And, mm. and that's actually a beautiful thing to do at the end of the day. Um, how, what, you know, last thing before the lights go out or the, the, the sleep arrives, what did I do to activate my values today? Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I like that. Um, and I also really encourage clients to use the words when they talk about themselves. So, uh, you know, for me to meet you and say, yeah, I totally agree with you, Melissa, about ABC. That really hits on one of my core values of gratitude. So, you know, then people hear these words associated with you and they hear you say it and then they start to associate it with you. That's very powerful in the workplace, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I think it's just it's it's a little bit of an inventory. What Like I'll give you an example. The other day I was going into uh, do you have Trader Joe's where you are. Yes. Yes, we do. I love Trader Joe's. And um, I was going in to buy some stuff and there was a a fellow at the door holding the door who, and I said, and I was in a big rush, but I thought, no, 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 in service of go back, sir, what can I get you inside? Okay. That's in service of, Mm -hmm. Um, that's a tiny, teeny example of living that in my day to day. Yes, I love that. Um, you also hit on a couple of times in gratitude, and you hit on it in your book as well, the importance of gratitude. And I wrote it down because as, as I was listening, I wrote a lot of things down. Like I would stop and say, okay, I need to take note of that to ask you about it. So let's talk about the importance of gratitude. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I think a lot about this. I have a mother that is, uh, you know, full of gratitude. And I've learned a lot about gratitude from her. And um, <clears throat> I do have a gratitude list. I, I, it is the last thing I do before I turn out the light. I, five things I'm grateful for that day. Sometimes it's just going to bed <laughs> that night. But I, I think it first, I think it just connects you to the present. It connects you to the small things. It, it sharpens and deepens appreciation. Uh, of things that that's one um there is so much research done on this now uh lori santos uh sonia somebody in california arthur c brooks there's so much beautiful research on when you are are experience gratitude and show it to others how that impacts your own sense of well-being um, it's it's quite it's quite profound, and um, you know we I have so much, and yet I I do truly think I am very grateful for what I have, and I I think that is like a a tool you need to keep sharpening, or maybe there's a different analogy there. It's like a skill, uh-huh. a muscle, a muscle. Let's say that. The gratitude muscle you need to keep building. Um, you can't get complacent about it. Yeah, because sometimes when you don't show gratitude or don't look around to see things that you're grateful for, that negativity can just pull you down and then you don't see anything. All you see is everything negative. And I've seen that effect happen to so many people in their lifetime. And then they get sick and then they wonder why nobody else wants to be around them because they're negative all the time. And it's just, and it takes life out of the people that want to see gratitude and stuff. It kind of sucks some of their gratitude out as well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think you're right. I think, you know, when I think of someone like my mother, who's 85, her, there's almost like a childlike uh, appreciation or gratitude for things that it, it, it just really reminds you. Like, I was actually thinking about uh, what I was going to give her for Christmas because we celebrate Christmas and she's so appreciative of everything. You know, she takes nothing for granted. She grew up 
you know, she was a child during the war in Britain. I, I'm sure that had a huge impact on her. Mm -hmm. But um, but it's a mindset too, you know. That is so true. Now, um, you talk about mindset. You we mentioned it several times. How important it is to have a positive mindset? Hmm. Yeah. So I did just say I changed one of my values from positivity to possibility mm -hmm. because I, I am, I, I am aware that there can be toxic positivity, right? Mm -hmm. That it's kind of enforced and imposed on you. Mm -hmm. It doesn't give you space to feel what you're really feeling. And so I'm aware of that. But, and, coaches are never supposed to say but, um, and at the same time, I truly believe that my life is better because I assume positive intent mm. in others and in situations. I just assume it. That is a muscle I also keep building. You know, I don't assume... I wasn't invited because you're trying to make me feel bad. I assume I wasn't invited because you forgot or something else. Um, so I, I, for me, positivity is, is really important and it is kind of core to who I am. And I also, I think I'm wiser and recognize that just, you know, we have a certain uh, disposition, genetic predisposition mm -hmm. to enter and experience the world some way. And certainly, whether it's your happiness, your positivity, I mean, there is a, a big genetic piece in that. But we do have some impact on it, too, both in the environment we set up and our mm -hmm. attitude. But I think we need to just be sensitive that I think it's easier for me to be positive than others because I think it's part yeah. of my predisposition. Yep. I see that too. I see that with me. It's, uh, it's easier for me to be positive and look at things from both sides and kind of see like, okay, I understand how you're feeling and I totally empathetic, like you said. Um, but then there's also that point where you're like, okay, it's your, this relationship is just too toxic. I, I have to put you at arm's length at this point, even if it's a loved yeah. one, because they're just, seems like they're sucking the life out of you. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That takes courage. Yep. That takes courage. So true. Now, our time is almost up before we talk about where people can find you at. Cause I've got all your links and we're going to throw them all up as you Thank talk you about so them. much. Very but kind of you. Is there one last little nugget that you want to, if nobody got anything out of anything else, or maybe something that you haven't shared that you feel like you're, mm -hmm. you're supposed to share now um, mm -hmm. that you want to leave us with. Yeah. I, 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 I think I want to say to everyone out there, I think the most important thing is you are enough. Period. Whatever you do to be better, do better, that's terrific. I am, of course, my entire career now is about moving forward and, and improvement and all that. But I think it's important to know, like, at your core, you're enough just as you are, how you show up, that's your gift to the world. And that's such an important thing to remember because I know I personally struggle with that. So I think that's very important for, I know a lot of listeners struggle with that as well. So now mm -hmm. we're on to where can people find you at? Yeah. Uh, so you have showing on the screen right now, my website, uh, not the easiest uh, to remember, but a B, so for Antonia Bowering, hyphen strategies, ies.com. LinkedIn is just my name, Antonia Bowering. And um, uh, TikTok, you very kindly shared Antonia Bowering 963. 
and yeah, I, Instagram, I'm, I'm not so much on. I think that's about it, right? And then the book, you very kindly put up the Amazon, uh, Coach Yourself, uh, easy to find on Amazon if you know my name as well. And if you buy it, I bow to you. And if you write a review after you buy it, I bow to you doubly. <laughs> I love that. Bow to you doubly. And I have yet to write a review because I just finished it yesterday. And I was like, okay, I need to write the review. So that's, I got myself a I, note. That's on my list of things to do right now. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate it. It it takes a village. And every every it's a great learning of, you know, what the individual thinks, ah, it's not so important if I do this or that. But collectively, when individuals mobilize, wow, it is, it takes a village. So thank you. Yep. And thank you for coming on. And guys, I will put in the show notes, all where you can find Antonia as well as her book. And I will tell you, this book is great, especially if you're an audio audio person, because I like to listen to books while I'm doing other things because yeah, then, you yeah. know, the ADHD brain doesn't want to yeah, sit still yeah, and do a book. Yeah, no, no. Um, plus it allows me to be able to interview authors like you that come on because I want it. I want you to feel heard. And I, I feel like if I come in and interview you and I haven't read your book, then what was the whole purpose for? Correct. Well, I really, uh, the questions you asked and particularly that one about like agency that, 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 yeah, that meant a lot. Yeah. Thank you. So like I said, guys, I'll put everything in the show notes where you can find her and Antonio, thank you again for coming on and for sharing. And we did not even hit on the ADHD. We wanted to, I wanted to hit on it. That was what I had talking points, but it just went off on another tangent. So I would love for you to come back on and talk that. about how you maneuvered ADHD for people that may be struggling with this as well. I would love that anytime. All right, guys, we will see you on the next chat from the blog cabin. Bye. Bye. Chats from the blog cabin. Enjoying this episode? Leave a review now.